So I just, I don't watch. We're live. I play them. <laughs> As we're all talking about the fact that we don't watch them. Well, Jessica does. Jessica goes back and watches the videos afterwards. We appreciate you, Jessica. You know, if we're making complete and total fools of ourselves, you'll probably just not bother to tell us. Uh, Parenting Porcupines tonight is season three, episode 10, and we're going to get into it about what it means to be part of a community and what our responsibilities are as members of that community. So let's let's do it. It's Friday night. We've all been boozing. Let's make it happen. I may have actually told somebody last weekend to like the libertarian that our, that our parenting porcupines broadcast was the time I get drunk on the internet. You <laughs> like drunk at my house. And like, I have a very strict rule about not using social media after I've been drinking because I don't want to like get into it on Facebook with people or like post something ridiculous on Instagram or anything like that. And so I'm very strict about that. Like I don't touch, I really don't get on the internet after I've been drinking at all with the exception of parenting porcupines. <laughs> Because I trust awesome. you, ladies, and I know that you will keep me on the rails. In line. Yeah. In as much as you can, you we'll will try. keep me on the rails. We'll certainly try. <laughs> as best we can. All right, it's Parenting Porcupine Season 3. This is Episode 10, and tonight's topic is what community actually, or what cooperation actually looks like. So there's a big uh, conversation in the Libertarian Party about cooperation versus coercion. Thank you very much, Words and Numbers, uh, James and... Anthony, uh, it's been on my mind lately about this idea of coercion, and that's the mask conversation and the mandates and all that. And we're going to get to that. But before we do, we're going to talk about what it means to show up in your community, what it means to be on the cooperative side. And um, we're, we're going to talk a little bit about that. So Jessica, tell us uh, where this comes from. Let's talk about community service, talk about families. And, and specifically, I want to hear from you guys about your families and the kind of service that you do in your community. So the idea of libertarianism, it all hinges on liberty, right? It, it's your freedom of, of choice to choose what you do with your body, to choose what you do with your property. As long as you're not harming anyone else or infringing on their rights, you have the right to do what you want to do, right? Um, it's that liberty, but the, the, the part of that, that that coincides that we often don't talk about is responsibility, Right. Because with freedom comes responsibility. Uh, because, and you can't have one without the other. They they really do go hand in hand. So that's that's kind of where this um, I think this topic stems out of. And we've covered things like personal responsibility and accountability in prior episodes. Um but, you know, we haven't really talked about community and it is it is very similar. It is a, it is a very similar conversation. There are, there are a lot of um, parallels, but it is a, it is a, an additional concept that we that we should be discussing. So. The uh, community conversation came up a little bit over the last week where I've, I've had some conversations with colleagues, people talking about uh, why their students aren't wearing their masks in the classroom and how do I get them to wear their masks in the classroom? And when can I call the police on them if they're not wearing their mask? I'm not kidding. Um, when they're 
I know. And, oh, and um, I was telling my friend Alexa, Alexa and I were walking the neighborhood this morning. I was like, every time I walk into my classroom, I just tell them, you look beautiful. You all look so beautiful in your masks that are protecting everybody in our community. Your cooperation with the people <laughs> around you by wearing your masks on your face is the most beautiful thing I've seen this morning. Thank you so much for doing this. And she goes, that's amazing. Why do you say that? And I was like, I go, it's called positive reinforcement, Alexa. <laughs> this is leadership at work, right? So we don't have to mandate. We don't have to demand. We don't have to coerce. We don't have to beg. And we don't have to penalize people for not doing what's right. If we're, sh if we're showering them with thanks and gratitude for being part of our community. Um, Melissa, do your kids go out in the community? How do they experience community spirit? I mean, are they on sports teams? Are they, are they in? Well, I know that your girls are in scouting, right? Yes. And actually tomorrow we get to bring the 10 garbage bags full of cardboard that we have broken down and taken all the tape off of to the butterfly garden for, I don't know what they're going to do it, lay it in the garden, mulch. I don't, I don't understand. Keep the weeds down. Maybe I don't, I'm not a gardener. I don't know. But they've requested that we bring cardboard. So we're bringing cardboard. That's what we're doing tomorrow to help our community. We're doing the butterfly garden. I love it. Jess, your kids do the, uh, the adopt a highway work with you with the LP, don't they? They haven't done that um, yet. Jackson probably will now that he's old enough. Um, but they do help out at church a lot. Um, Caldwell goes with Michael to do meals for the homeless. We have um, teams at our church who rotate out. And so um, at least one Sunday a month, we have a presence at a local uh, establishment that feeds the homeless. And so they help out with things like that. And then um, any other opportunity that we find, we do try to include them if it's an age appropriate activity. Yeah, we've done things like that in the past. We had a writers group that I was a member of sponsored a Santa Claus day at a women's and children's shelter. And Holly and I went and did the crafts for the kids. So we brought, you know, paper plates and, oh, and uh, cotton balls and, mm -hmm. you know, felt and stuff so they could make little paper plate Santas and that kind of thing, just to give the kids a chance to do something to keep their mind off of, you know, whatever else might be worrying them at the time. So little things like that to give a little bit of your time, a little bit of your mm -hmm. energy and your um, and your joy to bring that joy into that community uh, those kinds of things can be they can be as rewarding for us as they are for our community but I think also we underestimate the impact that community behavior has because I think we've kind of grown into this mentality over the years that government's going to take care of those things government's going to fund they shelters they're going to yeah but they don't they don't. They don't. Yeah. And, and the trillion dollar wars and, you know. And the poverty packages. initiatives. Yeah, yeah, like don't forget the poverty initiatives, right? Where we've got mm -hmm. over a hundred different poverty programs at the federal level, and yet the poverty rate has not changed. It's been the same since the 1970s. So what are all those initiatives doing other than trying to keep themselves employed, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. 
Is it something, Jessica, so your your boys are part of the church, right? Is this mm-hmm. something where uh, this is a personal thing that they feel personally passionate about it? Do they Are there any projects that they're involved with because they have a personal interest in it or personal passion around it? Well, I mean, we don't make them do projects they don't want to do. So we, we give them the option to participate. I mean, we encourage it, but it's always optional. So I think at this point, they enjoy all of the things that, that we are active in, they don't have anything specifically um, outside of sports, which I think we're going to cover too, but um, they don't have anything, any initiative specifically that they have chosen. A few years ago, we did um, a friend of mine had an idea to do 26 acts of service in the name of the 26 children who were killed at Sandy Hook. And so for 26 days, you choose like one act of kindness a day and you do something for someone else. And um, Caldwell was still really little, but when I told Jackson she was doing it, he did want to do that. And so we did that. And we would, we left flowers on somebody's car. Um, We had some passes to Biltmore that we gave a stranger. We took cookies to the firehouse. I mean, just things like that. Um, But in terms of having like a big initiative that they have chosen, they haven't done that yet. But hopefully soon we'll be there. When you have a habit, at least, of looking around and looking outside the family and outside your house and seeing there's opportunities here for us to give of ourselves. Uh, So, and I think the scouts bring that in too. So you did mention sports. How are, when we think about community and cooperation and bringing people together for a common purpose, sports are usually the first example that our kids have of that. Whether they're spectators, like we go to Clemson for all the football games, uh, whether they're part of that, part of that spectator experience, or whether they're actually participating as a competitor on the team. Um, so Melissa, are your kids into sports? Are they playing? Are they part of those kinds of learning opportunities? Uh, my girls are dancing this year. Yay for dance. Um, <laughs> I was a dancer, so I'm super excited that they like it. Uh, <laughs> but the, the rule for any team, any sports activity in our house is you sign up for the season I don't care if a month in you don't want to do it anymore. Right. You signed up for the entire season. Your coach is counting on you. Your team is counting on you. You have said you will be on this team this season. You you don't get to quit. Yeah. So because you made a commitment, they saved a space for you. You will go and you will contribute. You don't yeah. have to sign up again if you don't like it, but you're not quitting. Yeah. yeah, we're that we're that way about sports too, and there's a leadership there um, from the coach, right? So it's good for them to have leadership that's not parents, right, in mm-hmm. that role, and then also to see what it takes to win and what it takes to be a good sport and to show sportsmanship. So I think all of those things are valuable lessons that come out of sports. Because your boy, oh well, at least Jackson we know plays baseball. Um, so talk yeah. about sports and the influence and what they're learning through that communities. Jackson did, he played baseball. He played um, travel ball competitively and now he's playing football for the school. He's playing D team. It's fun. It's new, but it's fun um, for him. But (laughs) one of the things, (laughs) one of the things that I have, um, that I've always done is at the beginning of any season. And I've done this since Jackson was little is I have 
gone to the coach and made very clear to the coach that I expect you to be part of our village because you are in a position of authority. Um, and so I expect you to be part of that. And I have done things like when Jackson got in trouble at school, I've told his coach, I've made him sit, sit out games. Um, of course, talking with his coach and we decided that, but, um, you know, if he didn't get a good grade, if his, if his grade started to slip because he was being lazy, um, I involved the coaches and I always hold them to that standard that they are going to help because that example I think is so important, especially, especially for boys. Um, you know, kids can never have enough people in their lives who care about them. And having someone who can help hold them accountable, someone that they respect and that they look up to, sometimes that carries a heavier weight than what their parents think or say. Yeah. And so I think it's just an important, important piece, important piece of that, that puzzle. Um, so. Especially when that, they hit those teenage years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that there's so many intangible things that are learned through participation in sports and participation in clubs and in the community and opportunities to lead too, right? Opportunities mm -hmm. for them to show leadership over uh, to their, their classmates, their teammates and that kind of thing. Just yeah. the opportunities just abound there and asking, you know, for the coach's involvement in so many aspects of that sort of leadership piece is like, it's crucial. I wonder too, like, I'm wondering if you're, if the coaches are like, ah, here comes Jessica again. She's going to have something. <laughs> like, <laughs> I know. No, Jessica, we know. <laughs> no, I don't think I'm that mom. I don't think I'm that mom, but, and, and I think that a lot of coaches, I think that's probably refreshing for them because they get the opposite from most parents, right? Because most parents don't want their ch children to be scolded by someone outside of their house, because truth be told, I know a lot of parents who don't like to scold their children. <laughs> so <laughs> I think, you know, a lot of coaches are, are probably hesitant to, 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 to be that stern um, person with children because they don't know how the parents are going to react. So I think that I would think that having a parent who says, I expect you to be, you know, part of this piece of, of raising my child because you're in this mm -hmm. position of um, leadership in their life that I would think that would be refreshing, but, but no, I was, I was never that mom. I was never that mom. <laughs> well, I wonder, so like, because we're, so we're in the swim community, right? And in the swim community, there are families that have been there for a long time. They're kids of kids who have come, come up through the community. They've graduated. They're off, they're gone. Right. And the parents are still here with their younger children, right, with the younger siblings and all that. And I think about um, how they interact with the coach, how the coach relies on them for things like organizing senior night and organizing swim meets and these kinds of things. And I can see us being involved in that way, right, like taking that kind of leadership role as well, just as volunteers on Holly's behalf. And at the same time, I think of that 
as being, <laughs> it's almost a little self-serving on our side, right? Like I've been a stroke and turn judge for the swim team, but I do that because I know swimming, I know the sport and um, because it's the best seat in the house. I get to watch all of the races. <laughs> so, I mean, while it feels like an act of service, it doesn't really feel like service. So I'm not, I, like we were talking about this before we came online about what, what does service really look like? How do you really show up in your community and show leadership in your community? And when we we did 1 million cups here in Colombia, which is an entrepreneurial community. And I was the MC for 1 million cups. I emceed 1 million cups because I like the sound of my own voice and I liked being on stage and it felt like I was kind of famous. Cause like everybody knew me, right? Like that, that's why it was very much like personally gratifying, but it was also because nobody else wanted to step up and do it. So we, there's this role that needs to be filled. It's something I'm good at. I'll step in and give my talents into this particular place. So that's the, the kind of thing I think about with, uh, in, the different organizations I'm part of demonstrating for Holly, you have specific skills and different organizations need those skills. And when you give them to that organization, you're helping the organization be successful. And that's how you participate in your community. That's how you show yes. up and you do something that you're not being paid to do necessarily, but it's fun, right? There's, there's some payoff. We wouldn't all be part of the LP if we weren't getting some kind of payoff. Right. But it's a matter of kind of demonstrating, like take what you're capable of and and lend that to your community because your community needs it. And I think it's too, it's okay. Cause, and I was actually having this conversation with um, my friend. She's the volunteer coordinator at her church. And she was, we were talking this morning and she was telling me how difficult it is to get people involved, to get people to, to participate and contribute um, because a lot of people think, well, somebody else is going to do it, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, a lot of people are lazy or they just don't want, they just don't feel like it. Um, but then there are some people that if you go to them and you ask them to do something like, for instance, my church asked me to keep nursery during service. No. <laughs> Y'all know good and well. Y'all know good and well. I mean, I like don't. I don't even understand who would have who would have like nominated you for that. Like I wonder, I, not because okay, you're not funny. a wonderful person. I was person. the nursery coordinator at my church. I see that all I day long. Babies. I see that all day long, Melissa. But I don't know who looks at Jessica and goes, "She's going to want to watch other people's kids for an hour." I don't. <laughs> I don't need to thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But I love I you, friend. Them, but like, you and I are the same in that yes, way because no. I have zero interest in that as well. No. And, and, but it's, it, here's the thing. You can say no, because that's not something that interests you. It's not something you feel passionate about, you know, whether we're talking about keeping nursery or church or feeding the homeless in the park, or I don't know, organizing a march, you know, for whatever cause you can say no, but find something that you enjoy doing that is a positive contribution and say yes to that. Because if we all did the same thing, if we all contributed the exact same thing in the exact same way, majority of the needs would not be met, right? Like right. we can't all be interested in the same things. We can't all be good at the same thing. So when we talk about community service, it's not just, you know, going and spending time with, um, with kids who, you know, orphan kids or going and feeding the homeless, like I said, or, you know, making big donations or organizing benefits. It, it, it's, it's all the things that you do where you give yourself, where you give your time and enjoying it 
to me, I don't think that's self-serving. I think that makes it all the more exciting and all the more um, rewarding because you get to do something you enjoy and that you're good at. So, yep. That, that reminds me of um, two things. One, we were given talents at, and expected to use them. And if you don't get enjoyment from it, what's the point? Yeah. Like you were given these talents to get enjoyment from them yeah. and use them in service of other people. Right. And that reminds me of Dave Ramsey, who always says he gets, a, he gets, if you listen to his show, he gets a lot of calls. I love teaching, but teachers don't make a lot of money. He's like, no, 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 figure out a way to teach and make a lot of money. He goes, you can do both. You just got to think outside the box. Right. So use who who says using your talents to help other people should be hard. It should be easy. It should be fun. It should be something you want to do again and again. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're onto something with that. I was having a conversation with some colleagues uh, before, and this I don't know if this is a female thing because I haven't put it forward with any of my male friends. So let me just say that first and foremost. This is a conversation I was having with two different women where we were talking about the the environment that we found and wanting to leave it better than we found it, right? So whatever I do professionally in this environment, of course I'm being compensated for it, but I want to leave it better than I found it. I want this to be, it doesn't have to be sustaining for a century and have my name on it. Like I'm not trying to, that's not, I'm not trying to get famous here. I'm trying to say that like, while I was here, I was a good steward for these resources. And I did something for this organization, for this community, whether it's my town, whether it's my neighborhood, whether it's my church or my employer, whatever community I'm a member of, I left it better than it was when I found it. And that to me, like in this conversation I was having with these two women and they were like, yes, I feel that way too. I thought, how many people are out there feeling that way? Like they just want to make it better than how they found it. A lot. Yeah. Yeah. That is accurate. How do you activate those people, right? Like, how do you get them inspired other than to come in and say, you're beautiful in your masks, (laughs) (laughs) right? I mean, how do we, how do you encourage people to, to put aside, you know, it's sleeping in is great, right? But getting up early to come out here and help, you know, whatever it is, pack up um, food for the homeless or clean up the, the highway or whatever, giving up something that feels um, good, right? Indulgent. I'm not going to binge watch Netflix today because I'm going to go and spend my day at the Pride Festival talking to other people, giving out hugs to other people in the LGBTQ plus community so they know that they're loved and they're cared for and they're accepted here in Columbia. I'm going to go spend my day at Pride, right? Like, those kinds of things to me, like, how do you activate those people? Because you said yourself, Jess, like there's somebody having trouble recruiting volunteers. So the phrase recruit volunteers isn't the same as activate their passion, right? Like find yeah. find that piece of them that says like, I want to be this. I want to leave it better than I found it. And you can. And here's how you can, right? I don't know. We should write that inspirational think, speech. I feel like Rudy. Well, we I think if down, we knew yeah. without all that Notre Dame <laughs> bullshit that sucks. Yeah, right. I think, <laughs> but I think if we knew the answer to that question, we would We'd probably be famous. We would be so famous, <laughs> and we would 
probably have a libertarian or two in the White House. Yeah, because that's the key, because you mentioned that earlier. The key Mm -hmm. to a liberty, a a free society is that we have to be willing to participate. Mm -hmm. We have to participate. You can't just expect somebody else to do it for you. Sorry, I'm like Charlie just put on there. I don't think you find those people who use the government to clock in and out. Yeah, so there are a lot of people that are simply using the government to clock in and out, right? Like I show Mm -hmm. the government does what it's supposed to do and I just pay the government and they take care of all these things and I don't have to do it myself. I won't have to give up my Netflix binge watch to do it myself. Yeah. But I'm sad. Um, tell us about mask mandates, Jess. The, the, look, the safety is off in the upstate. We were up there last week. We were up there last week to do the book signing at the bookstore, and I was probably the only person wearing a mask in the bookstore. Yeah. 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 What's the deal? What's the deal? I don't know. I don't go they anywhere. Had a, look, they had a rally. They had a rally at the Peace Center that was all about anti, it was anti-vaxxing. They had an anti-vaxxing rally at the Peace Center while I was there last Sunday. And I thought, what's, what's happening in the upstate? I don't know. I don't know. Some crazy people. (laughs) You know, I just. The loudest voices are the craziest voices. Is that what you're going to tell me? (laughs) Maybe. You know, I don't. I don't, I don't, I honestly don't feel strongly about masks or vaccines one way or another, because I think that ultimately everybody has a choice, right? And the choice that you make is the choice that you make. And if you don't make the choice that I think you should make, I will not be around you by choice. Um, I just, I just don't, I don't know. I just don't, I don't want this to be something that burdens my soul if that makes sense but i don't think the government has the right i don't think it's their place to determine who wears a mask and who gets a shot like it just isn't i mean should people wear a mask i don't know do i wear a mask probably do do i wear a mask if I go into a business that asks me to wear a mask, yes, I wear a mask because the business asked me to. If I'm going to be outside and a mask is not required of me, do I wear a mask? I don't. And I'm not going yep. to. Because um, you use your your rational thinking brain. Yeah. And if I'm going, if into, I'm going somewhere that's crowded. If I go to Walmart. If I go to Walmart, I wear a mask. If I'm going to a restaurant that doesn't require me to wear a mask from the door to the table, I'm not going to wear a mask. You know, it, it's very situational. Yeah. But I think it's, I think my decisions are based on common sense and prudence, <laughs> so, which yeah. I understand a lot of people don't understand. But all, okay. all of I, these I comments, people- all these comments, Jess is right. Preach it, girl. These are, yeah, you're, 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 you're getting the thumbs up from our libertarian audience right now. Yeah. And the, and the yeah. flip side of that is I wish people would realize just because I am anti-mandate does, does not, not mean- equal I'm not wearing a mask and I'm not vaccinated. Yeah. I am vaccinated. Yeah. I wear my mask most places indoors in public yeah most places 
I'm against the government dictating that companies have to force people to do that. Yeah. Of course, and and the and the question is, oh well, you know, you have no problem with no shirt, no shoes, no service. I'm like I do have a fucking problem. You're assuming I don't have a problem. I do have a problem. If you want to let people topless in your establishment, who cares? Really? But. <laughs> But we've been living with no shirt, no shoes, no service for years, yeah, right? Yeah, we're more yeah, used but, to that than we are to the mask. They're assuming it's the same thing. No, yeah. we, we can get rid of that law too. Good. Get rid of it. Out. Look, out. look yeah. I'm all for, and, and this is where, because let's go specifically to no shirt, no shoes, no service, right? This is a DHEC requirement. This is the Department of Health and Environmental Control, right? This is a government agency that comes in and yeah. sets standards for what are um, safe and and uh, sanitary operating conditions for a restaurant. And yeah. I'll be honest with you, I don't think the government necessarily knows that. Have you seen that. Kitchen Nightmares? Have you seen I, Gordon Ramsay go into restaurants and, and I do that have think that, that plastered on their door and cockroaches and mice running yeah. through their kitchen? And I do think I that the free market would work it. I do think the free market would work it out. Um, I, I do think the free market would, would, would make that happen. Right. Um, and, and then we've got, so right now we're having a deck built on the back of our house and a screened in porch and we're waiting for Richland County to approve the plans for the screened in porch for Richland County to tell us that it's okay that we trust our contractor to build this porch because the roof won't fall on our heads. And I honestly don't think Richland County knows any better than the contractor does. So why are we waiting for Richland County to approve this? Like there's so much opportunity for the government to come in here in the name of protecting us. And I think some of that might've been from like previous decades when we didn't have the visibility, maybe we didn't have the, the education. Internet. But now there's so much transparency and there's yeah. so much opportunity to like, to expose that sort of thing that I just don't, I just don't think it's relevant anymore. It just doesn't seem not like necessary anymore. But government, we know I government doesn't. Mission to cut down my own trees. Yeah. Oh my God, our neighbor did too. And here's the thing: government doesn't get any smaller. They don't contract. Never. They only get bigger. So mm -hmm. every time we put in place some additional government mandate, you're gonna live with that for the rest of your life. Yeah. So when they come down and they say, "Well, it's a temporary mask mandate," no, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> it is because There's next thing you know, permanent as a temporary government program. Yes. The yeah. next yeah. thing it's gonna have it'll be it'll be the flu that we're protecting each other from. It'll be bad breath. Where you know halitosis. It's, a, it's deadly and you should all wear a mask because of halitosis and we'll just keep that mask mandate in place and you just want to be like what the fuck you we have to respect people enough to make their own choices and then be willing to go i i don't like the choice i'm i have my own ways of protecting myself and i will simply use my own liberty to protect myself to get distance from you or to not go to that restaurant because it's dirty or whatever, right? Like, I, have I think that's- I have ask people in line to step back because mm -hmm. they're right up my butt and they got no to do that too. I'm like, I'm sorry, yeah. can you take like three steps yeah. that way? Can you just I can feel your breath on my yeah. bare shoulder. That's inappropriate. I, yeah, I don't, I don't like yeah. people next to me anyways, just yeah. in general. And now I have a reason to ask them to back the fuck up. So it's nice. <laughs> <laughs> 
So CJ weighed in too. He says, I respect y'all's personal medical choices and would never shame others for their choices. Hashtag liberty. I think so. The key here then, right, as we were talking about before, is community and cooperation and recognizing that if we are cooperating with one another, it's because we care about one another and we want each other to be safe. We want each other to be healthy in as much as we're capable of doing that. But I'm not going to come and shame you for eating McDonald's or Chick-fil-A or whatever it is, right? Or because you're overweight or you have heart problems, like any of these other medical conditions, I'm not going to feel like it's okay for me to tell you to, that you've had too much to drink and you need to stop. Like, like I'm never going to be that person. It's never occurred to me to be the person that looks somebody else, a grown person in the face and goes, stop. Yeah. Not ever. I've always been like, you do you, girl. You be you. <laughs> Just well, and I think, you know, the thing, too, when we talk about if we live in a in a cooperative um, atmosphere, right, people are going to talk. And I know people who aren't getting vaccinated yet. They've chosen not to. We waited. We waited after talking with our doctor um, and we we were very responsible about it. You know, we followed guidelines for social distancing and you know, did the things we were supposed to do in the meantime. Um, but I know people who are still hesitant. And when I have conversations with them about it, they're generally the people that I talk to. They have very good reasons. They have very well thought out um, reasons for why they're hesitant. And you have to respect that. I mean, you have to respect that because it's their choice. And it may not be something you agree with. But in my opinion, if somebody can sit down and have a conversation with me and explain to me, like, then, I mean, it's not my place to question it anyway, but I'm certainly not going to question it at that point. But that's the whole, that's Good exactly idea. it, right? Yeah. It's never, there's, there doesn't even have to be an explanation. If that's mm -hmm. the choice they've made, like, it's none of my damn business why they made that choice. Right. And, and the idea of, of inflicting, you know, well, but why? And, but why? And don't you yeah. see everybody else's and, and you know, you're making it worse for us and shaming and all this other garbage that's going along mm -hmm. with that. I just, again, like I just, that's never been my instinct to tell yeah. other people how to live their lives or to tell other people that what they're doing is wrong. Like I've, I, just, I've never come from a place where I felt like I had, even as a, as a teacher in the classroom, I'm still telling my students like, I'm going to put this out there. You do you. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. You and, guys... and I got to say, like my mom, my mom is. Sorry, mom. I'm about to blow up your spot on the internet. <laughs> 60, she's 61. <laughs> My mom is 61. <laughs> and she is, she is unvaccinated. And she, she keeps saying, well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And every time she says, I'm like, ma, I really think you should just be, you're 61. And it's not trying to shame her into it or force her into it, but I'm, I am concerned about her well-being. And I'm not gonna, you know, I don't stop seeing. I see her all the time. It's her choice. But every time she mentions it, I'm gonna mention that. I really think you should, just, just because I'm worried and I love you. Yeah. But if it's her body, her choice. 
In the same way that, in the same way you would uh, expect her to choose to wear a seatbelt. Yeah. If if she's going to ride a motorcycle, choose to wear a helmet. Yeah. I like in this. This is a good idea. My mom on a motorcycle. Um, (laughs) Choose whether or not to smoke cigarettes, whether or not to do drugs, like all these other things that are available to her, and you hope that she'll make the right choice. And as much as I might. Um, be sad or concerned or confused or disappointed in the choices that the people that I love are making, they're still their choices and they still have just as much right to make them as I do to make my own. Uh, yeah. And, I, and, and the, so let's talk about the argument that, or this idea that their choices negatively impact the rest of us, because this was the end of the conversation today with me and my friend as we were walking about this, Um, because what's being used to justify mask mandates and uh, vaccination mandates and this kind of thing is that they're making it worse for other people, that if they're making this choice, it's a selfish choice and that they are negatively impacting other people. So talk about that, Jess, like, is that, does that then, create the conditions in which the majority should rule and therefore create this authoritarian experience because their choice negatively impacts other people. It's hard. In this situation, it doesn't negatively impact anyone. I don't think, I mean, I don't, using the vaccination as an example, right? Like the vaccination protects you right and I understand the whole herd immunity and all that stuff but and and honestly truth be told like it I don't think we know enough at this point to to be able to say one way or the other and that's one of the things I think is so ridiculous about the whole situation um but I mean we're not talking about someone carrying around a nuclear bomb right like I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't it's know. It's hard. It's hard because it does affect other people. We're talking about a communicable disease. So everybody gets all crazy about it. And I understand it's very emotional because everybody should be safe from everything. It's 2021. Well, and at this how, point, everybody. How, how are we not safe from everything? I heard a statistic. I have three kids. All right. I heard a statistic probably two years ago that 100 years ago, two of my three children would not have made it past the age of 10. Mm -hmm. We have become so comfortable and so insulated from anyone dying before they're 90 that it just, it, it's terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. We were listening to Twisted History. Charlie and I were listening to Twisted History on Sunday about uh, World War II and the Eastern Front and Russia, right? And how Russia fought the Nazis on the Eastern Front in World War II. And the staggering death toll in Russia, staggering millions of people. I mean, we're talking two, three, four, five, six million people that are lost in, and granted it's war and it's combat. And part of like what happened in um, Leningrad, you guys can look it up, go find Twisted History. This episode was unbelievable. But the amount, the, the the rate of death, and that was just World War II. That wasn't even that long ago, right? Our grandparents lived through that. Um, and, and now we look at Afghanistan and we see 
2,000 deaths and we're in 20 years, right? What's our total death toll in the war in Afghanistan? I think it's, it might've been 5,000. But it's less, than 10, yeah. it's less than 10,000 paid oh, yeah. soldiers, right? Yep. Paid soldiers. That's not even U.S. citizens. That's not, you know. This um, was their job. They knew sir, what they were signing up for. So yeah. we are, I think you're exactly right, that we've been, like, we've been insulated so much that every single death matters, every single, and, and, and I'm not in any way that's suggesting that we can yes. just afford to lose the old people. Like, like that's not, that's not at I all what I'm saying. I love my grandma. But we can protect ourselves, right? So this is back to Jess's point. People can protect themselves. They can stay home. They can avoid crowded areas. They can get vaccinated, right? They can, there are a lot of ways to protect themselves from what other people might do to them. And I'm going to like put those in quotes, do to them. Mm -hmm. So even if somebody is unvaccinated, they're walking around without a mask, they're not necessarily going out there spitting in your eye, trying to mm -hmm. make you sick. They're simply exercising their own liberty in the same way that you're exercising your liberty. And theirs just looks different than yours. Yeah. And I don't understand why we can't respect that. I'm, I'm really struggling with why we just don't respect that. Well, I do want to go back to what hard. Melissa said about this being a very emotional thing. And I think it is emotional because so many people have been impacted by this personally. Like I, I could probably throw a rock and hit somebody in my town. Don't, who, don't do that. Don't throw rocks Ooh, at people. I don't, I like, I'd kind of like to do that. That's why I can't keep the nursery. Um, <laughs> but, you know, every, perfect. I mean, so many people have been impacted by this and lost yeah. loved ones to this. I have a good friend who lost her stepdad yesterday. Um, and so everybody's been impacted. And so it does make it very, very emotional. However, decisions and debates should never be had based on emotion ever, right. ever, because that is not reasonable. We have but to they're weaponizing reasonable. it. They're, yeah. they're, the people in the, in the debates are weaponizing it. Of and, course. and that's where I think that it's the fear. And yeah. we talked about this in the 9-11 episode last week where we have been, politicians, government have weaponized our fear and the more they make us afraid of something, the more they can sell that their solution is our safety, is our security. And the more they can lie to us, Melissa, to your point, and make us think that they're going to keep us safe. And you just can't. You just can't. I mean, life is messy and, and there's drama and people die. Like, that's that's a thing. That's how it works. And I guess I'm, I don't know, I'm super cynical about this. I just don't understand why we believe that everybody should make it to age 102. Like, a, a, that, why Why do we think that? Yeah. Why do we believe that? Because we'd Man. like it to be true. Yeah, we would like it to be true. <laughs> We're all out there crossing our fingers that that's going to be us with the long life and the... I don't know. This got morose all of a sudden. I don't know. Maybe it's because we started talking about masks and death. <laughs> it's like the Holocaust episode. We need a Holocaust episode. Let's do that oh, on a Friday night. Oh, my God. Let's have some wine and have a Holocaust conversation. Um, yeah. Bringing it back to the vaccine mandate, and I'm just going to add this, and this, this can probably be the last thing because we're almost at 45 minutes. But um, I work for a company that has more than 100 employees. And we got an email today from our um, risk department, you know, letting us know that the federal mandate 
OSHA is looking at their guidelines. And as soon as OSHA issues their guidelines, that they are going to, um, you know, update our company policy. And so my employees received an email letting them know that. And so now they know that they have to either get vaccinated or have a weekly test that shows they're negative. I have a team of 19 people. If I lose any of my people because of the whole thing collapses. Yeah. I mean, I I can't, I can't. And and that's my fear as, as an, as an employer, even though it's not my company, I work for a multinational company, but my fear is that this mandate is going to cause me to lose employees. My Mm -hmm. amazing, wonderful staff who has created this, you know, great team. And I mean, we have invested so much. I've got people who've been with me for five years and since we've really started, you know, our operation. And I mean, it would be horrible to lose them over this and all because of government overreach. Yeah. yeah. I, just saw I thought that was my. I thought that was my kid. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> the Hellcat. She makes her appearance. <laughs> she no, is. No, my my mom's company is a huge company, and they are also going to comply. And I, the, when we say mass non-compliance, we mean by the companies enforcing this mandate. Yeah. If companies want. To make sure everybody's vaccinated, go ahead. You do that because you want to, and you think that's best. Not because the government says you have to mandate this. So here, here's there's a. I have two sides of that. Number one, I think, of course, the vaccine is going to protect your employees. It's going to bring down your insurance rates. Like what company wouldn't want their people to be vaccinated, and therefore, what company would not? rely on that government mandate to get rid of the people that are putting everybody else at risk. Like I can yeah, see from what, a company's perspective. People are your highest producers. And but at some point there's a there's a return on investment here, right? Where it's like I get that you make a lot of money for the company, but you're also we're at risk. And our especially if insurance companies come around, insurance rates go up because you have unvaccinated and all of this is conjecture, right? Like that may not actually be a thing. All that is conjecture. So I can see where companies are just like, look, the government says you got to do it. You got to do it. Off we go. Like I don't, as a company owner, have to make that choice. But here's what I think you said was really interesting is that when we think about the government using employers and using businesses to inflict their will upon us. Yeah. This is not the first time they've done that. They did it with <laughs> social security. Yes, they did it with immigration. Remember having to fill out the, what is it? It's a W-9 form or whatever yeah. that explains who you are and where you come from when you get, so they have continually used our employers as the enforcers yeah. of their of their agenda. And so- Collecting taxes on your paycheck. This should mm-hmm. not come as a surprise to anybody yeah. that the first thing that the Biden administration did was turn around. It wasn't the first one. I mean, it seems like, it actually seems 
I can't believe it took them this long to figure it out. Yeah. That OSHA is the way to do this. Cause my God, of course you're going to use OSHA to do this, but they have used our employers against us in a plethora of things mm -hmm. that they want to do. And so I don't know why people are all like shocked and appalled, that this is a thing like this mm -hmm. is a typical weapon that the government uses. They use our employers to make things happen. I mean, I'm, I'm not surprised by it. And I'm actually, I could be a little pissed off about it, except I'm vaccinated. So I'm kind of like, eh. And then there's all these other people that are like, yeah, but I'm vaccinated. So I don't really care. You should still be pissed off about it, right? Like, you should still be mad. I'm vaccinated <laughs> and I care. And I'm also pissed off because if I lose any employees, like, yeah. I'm, I mean, and, and I, 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 I don't know. And I'm in the, I'm vaccinated, but I am never, ever showing anyone proof. You want to see my papers? <laughs> you want to see my fucking thing? No. I'll tell you Are what you, you can kidding me see. right now? I will never show them proof. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like, if they demand proof for me to do something, girl, I'm going to Death Valley tomorrow. And if they asked me for my vaccination card to let me in to watch my Tigers play, I would straight up whip that bad boy out so fast. <laughs> <it would make laughs> it mine's, mine's in a folder. I, I don't even I I too, carry it on me. <laughs> I mean, there are live concerts I want to go to that they're like, you must show proof of vaccination. Done. I will bring it so I can go uh, to this live concert. I don't have a problem with that at all. Like, I'm, I'm 100%. I did it. I'm good with it. If they, if I had a scar on my arm, that's what I would show them. Here's yeah. my smallpox vaccine. Let me in. All right. We are at 48 minutes. It's gotten a little bit silly at this point. We've been talking about cooperation, community. The key, I think, all of us is that community requires participation. You You've got to get in there. You've got to be part of it. You've no matter what it, it is. Yep. Yeah. Something. Bring your skills, bring your time, bring your energy and make your community a better place to be. And I think if we could all do that and we could convince our neighbors around us how fun it is to do that, yeah. you know, we'd be in a lot better shape. Thank you, ladies. It's always good to see you. Mm -hmm. We'll be back next week. See y'all then.